Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and welcome to Season 2 of the Logical Christian Podcast. I'm your Logical Christian, Dan Irwin. Welcome to those who are here for the first time, and a hearty welcome back to the LCP faithful. What we do here is look at what the mainstream media feels is important to tell us about current events, politics, science, religion, and just about anything else, but we're not interested in their spin. We want to look at these stories logically, and we especially want to look at these stories as Christians. Links can be found in the show notes if you'd like to follow along. So with that, let's go be logical Christians. On the 1967 album by Bill Cosby entitled Wonderfulness, Cosby told a story of when he was a child and had to get his tonsils removed. He was expressing all the normal fears, asking the same silly questions that most kids have, and finally the doctor has had enough and tries to explain what exactly is going on. Listen, son, let me explain to you. Your tonsils, your tonsils, which we're going to have to take out, guard your throat, you see. They stand there, they're two guards, they have hand grenades, bazookas, and everything, and anything bad that comes into your mouth, they fight it off. <laughs> See, well, uh, in your case, your tonsils have lost the war. Uh, as a matter of fact, your tonsils have gone as far as to join the other side, you see, and they're gonna kill you if we don't cut them out. I feel like these days, we, the average, everyday, dare I say, normies, are the child and the world we're living in, specifically our country, the United States, are the tonsils. We used to work together. Our government overlords would strive to protect the citizenry and make things better. But now I just get the feeling that they're going to kill us if we don't have them removed. And then, just like Bill was told, would happen once we take them out of their positions of power and destruction, we can celebrate with all of the ice cream in the world we can eat. On today's episode, first we're going to burn it all down, just right to the ground, nothing but ashes left, and then we're going to be engulfed by a red tide. So, toss the rope ladder out of the window, oh, you were supposed to attach the one end first, it doesn't matter, and save your rubles, I hear next week there might be bread. And no matter which or what or whose side you're on, here we go. So let me ask you this. Is there anything that could be reported right now, whether in the mainstream media, the so-called disinformation, or as most of us call them, conservative sites, or the dark web that would legitimately surprise you these days? Loch Ness Monster and Jaws have a baby. Yeah, eh, okay, I mean, they're both sea creatures. Yeah, I can see that. Butter, eggs, and cigarette smoke in a precise quantity is the literal key to immortality. Huh? Yeah, okay. Well, I mean, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Aliens invaded decades ago, now packing up to leave as things have gotten out of hand. Are they taking tickets? Do they have any extra seats on that? I'd like to I'd like to go wherever they might be going. After years of collecting and analyzing data, it's now confirmed that liking big butts does, in fact, make it impossible to lie. I knew it, and you know I'm telling the truth about knowing it, because science has now proven I can't lie. <clears throat> so with that said, we're going to begin this segment by going in uh, one direction, then take a hard right, no signal, well, very little signal, and finish in another direction. But of course, to do that, we'll have to get started. So let's start here. Found on CNN via MSN.com, headline, FDA warns of risk of overheating, fire with some freestyle Libre Glucose Monitors. <laughs> now for some, maybe uh, maybe most of you, you're all like, 
Okay, well, I mean, that, that sounds bad. Is that bad? To which I say, yeah, you know, a cell phone-like device overheating or bursting into flames. I mean, it seems to be suboptimal. The Freestyle Libre glucose monitor is one of those little plastic white disc things that some people have on the back of their upper arm. A pretty ingenious idea, actually, as they monitor your blood sugar and through the magic of Bluetooth, they send an alert to your phone or to one of the rechargeable readers in question to tell you if you're running high or low. Now, this is a massive leap forward from pricking your finger and testing your blood multiple times a day. Now, from my understanding, the little sensors will last for about two weeks, at which point they need to be swapped out with a new sensor. The reader, if you don't use your phone, is a rechargeable device using a lithium-ion battery, like nearly every rechargeable device these days. And that's the problem, child. Now, according to the article, there are 4.2 million of these devices in circulation right now. So the FDA apparently issued a Class 1 recall due to 7 reported fires and one reported injury. A class one recall is their highest level of recall and is defined as, quote, a situation in which there is a reasonable probability that the use of or exposure to a violative product will cause serious adverse health consequences or death. I guess pricking the finger doesn't sound as bad now. <laughs> Just saying. The manufacturer, Abbott, did a voluntary recall on a few varieties of rechargeable devices in February after some users reported the lithium-ion batteries swelling or overheating, sparking, creating fires. In fact, Abbott said that they've had 206 incidents on these styles of monitors since 2014, but nobody's died or been adversely affected by it, so, you know, quit your belly aching. Abbott did not recommend replacement or discontinued use of these things. They just put out guidance that said you might want to use the charger plug thing and the yellow USB cord that came with the device only. And if you do that, well, it'll, it'll, it'll probably be fine. So grab the, uh, the old poop handle. We're about to make a hard direction change here, but let me say this first. Pay attention to when the FDA recalls previously totally approved devices or medicines and how many incidents have actually occurred initiating the recall or the warning to stop use or whatever. Then compare it to the adverse effects of the FDA approved emergency use COVID so-called vaccine and ask yourself if that makes any sense. Just for an idea of what we're talking about, in the U.S., just under 600 and 75 million vax doses have been administered to about 270 million people, 230 million of which, or just about 70% of the American population, now being considered fully vaxxed, whatever that means at this point. According to the OpenVares site, which pulls vaccine adverse event reports from the HHS system, which is known to be grossly underreporting the true number of adverse events, there have been 1.54 million reports about adverse events regarding the COVID uh, vax, including over 35,000 deaths, nearly 17,000 reports of Bell's palsy, 19,000 heart attacks, almost 65,000 permanently disabled, and nearly 200,000 hospitalizations through March of 2023 among a number of other events. You'd almost think that there'd be some sort of a coordinated eh, stop use or recall type of order, 
Ah, but I guess 35,000 deaths isn't enough, even though we know you could probably multiply that number by anywhere from 10 to 100 to get the actual number of deaths. Now, the other issue I see is the ridiculous guidance to use only the charger plug and the cord that came with the device. Just about every powered and or rechargeable device out there says, only use our cord and transformer. And we all say, oh, uh, okay. And then we ignore that suggestion. Now, this reader appears to use a cord with a standard micro USB end, meaning that most of us that have any electronic devices today have probably about a dozen of these cords laying around. Additionally, we have multiple plug-in transformers that you can plug any USB cable into, or you can plug it into computers or laptops or car adapters, portable chargers, whatever. And we have a variety of the old slow chargers all the way up to the newest rapid chargers. The reality is for most of us, a cord is a cord and the charging sources are pretty much all the same. If the big end of the USB cord can fit, we try to plug it in. Then we turn it over and try to plug it in. And then we turn it back over and then it plugs right in. I don't know why it happens every time. And if the little end fits into the device, well, we're working with the right cord and it's the right power source. The problem, and hear me out here, it almost seems to be the battery. Look at chargers for lithium-ion tools. The chargers for each brand are very specific, very specialized. They have special circuitry and technology to charge without overcharging, the battery in question. But most of our general-use consumer rechargeables are all made to look the same and use the same standard stuff. But if your device is going to start on fire, maybe you need to make your own special plug. Now, we don't want to do that, though, because it's easier to standardize, so I come back to the battery. Now, I don't remember the old standard of nickel-cadmium rechargeable batteries having these problems. The lead-acid batteries, like what we have in cars, don't have these problems. But these batteries had specific charging systems and specific transformers. And in the case of, like, nickel-cadmium, they just weren't as good of a rechargeable battery. And here's where we take that, uh, that hard turn. Pretty much all rechargeables are lithium ion as of right now. There are uh, some other technologies being used, such as nickel metal hydride, but those are heavier, they're slower to charge, they're just an inferior technology, in theory at least, and so they're of minimal use at best. We're also being told that we must go all electric everything because that's the only way to save the planet, even though there is absolutely no science that actually backs that claim up. I mean, number one, the Chinese easily counteract any and every measure that we could possibly take to curb greenhouse gases. And number two, it's been proven that if all nations took the actions that the incredibly strict Paris Climate Accords mandated, it would do nothing. And third, Man-caused global warming is a stupid theory with no data or science behind it. And every single prediction that's ever been made because of this theory has been wrong. Most of them dramatically so. Yeah, but none of that matters. We must go all electric. So more and more we're seeing rechargeable everything from glucose monitors to cell phones, tablets and laptops, media players, tools, cars, and they're even experimenting with airplanes. And although various new amazing society-changing technologies are rumored to be right around the corner or right over the next hill, yeah, they never seem to come to fruition, do they? Now, maybe they will. Maybe they won't. I don't know. Time will tell. But for now, should we be pushing all of this lithium-ion tech? 
let me try to make my point here. Hang with me. October 24th, 2016. E&T.theiet.org. Headline, Lithium-ion batteries can produce dozens of dangerous gases when overheated, according to a new study from the Institute of NBC Defense and Tring University in China. Even at this time, 2016, battery recalls had happened due to fires, but this study found that the types of chemicals used, the battery capacity, and the charge level of batteries affected how many toxic gases were released. Now, this was a study of, you know, just only 20,000 lithium-ion batteries, all of them heated to the point of combustion, in which most batteries exploded, and all of them gave off a variety of toxic gases. Ah, don't worry, though. This could only happen if the batteries overheat or are damaged, so that could never possibly... The good thing is, since they know about it, manufacturers and engineers could fix it. January 27th, 2019, Large.net, headline, Why do lithium batteries produce gas when it is overcharged or discharged? If the battery is charged too aggressively, the batteries can produce gases, causing the battery case to swell and potentially rupture, at which point a fire due to the chemicals inside of the battery could ensue. And moving to more recent times, as rechargeable everything is being pushed, January 19th, 2021, buyevcars.com. That's B-U-Y, buyevcars.com. Headline, is it safe to run an electric car in the garage or indoors? Now, this appears to be, I hope, well, I don't even know if I hope. It appears to be a submitted question, and my question and response would be, what's running? What are you running? This site was kinder than I would have been, and they went into how it's just like an electric appliance, and you could take it in your house even. The battery, sure, sure, it'll get a little warmer as it charges or discharges, but it doesn't give off any toxic gas. Wait a minute. Didn't we just, um, just like a, a little bit ago... But this author laments the fact that we can't take our cars in the house right now. He or she said, uh, yeah, trying to humanize the car, that they wish it could live in the warm, comfortable house rather than the driveway. It could serve as a couch if designed correctly. The sound system would be great for movies, theoretically. I, you know, sure, it would be dirty, but we could figure out some sort of a wash system before it rolls on in the living room. And eventually we'll figure out how to keep it from leaking fluids. And regarding bringing the car inside, quote, a combustion car, of course, would kill us if we allowed it to do so. An EV, however, would not. February 18th, 2021, carbuzz.com headline, Parking Garage bans all EVs and hybrids with a byline of, quote, they represent a real danger if a fire breaks out. I mean... Yeah, okay, yeah, that makes sense. So this article says that uh, it'll take probably 15 years, maybe longer, perish the thought, before we're all driving EVs, and a number of things need to be done by then, including, quote, creating and implementing procedures to extinguish battery-related fires. <sighs> Wouldn't it be better to 
you know, not make a car that might just light up and burn hotter than the core of the sun. And if we can't do that so good right now, maybe we just don't make and or mandate these cars right now. Look, I'm just thinking out loud here. This article cites an underground parking garage in Germany that has outlawed EVs or hybrids from parking there. Now, this was probably an overreaction. I mean, they had just fully reopened after five months of repairs and renovations after a non-EV fire. After this old VW Golf burned out, engineers did some studies and found that there was a good chance the underground structure, you know, the concrete and steel, couldn't withstand a lithium-ion battery fire since they couldn't get firefighting equipment to the degree needed down in there and they couldn't get the car out and the fire water can only, you know, just cool the fire, but the fire would have to be left to burn itself out. So they decided that EVs and hybrids just couldn't park there. In March 29th, 2021, TheVerge.com headline, Don't Park Your Hyundai Kona EV Inside Because It Could Catch Fire. And we thought that only internal combustion engines would kill you if you brought them inside. Only 80,000 Hyundai Kona and Hyundai Ionic EVs are being recalled for fire risks, at least back in 2021. It's no big deal. So apparently an electrical short in the battery increases the risk of fire, but only when parked and or charging or driving. And other than those ultra rare scenarios, you're, you're probably fine. The NHTSA recommends that you park them outside and also away from your home, then other homes, and generally flammable structures. But again, how many structures do you know that are flammable? <laughs> Am I right? The batteries in question are LG batteries, and thankfully, they're only used on Hyundais. I mean, not counting General Motors and Audi, Mercedes-Benz, Volkswagen, Daimler, you know, just those. Speaking of, in 2019, Audi actually recalled 540 of their first e-tron SUVs for potential battery fires, and Chinese manufacturer Neo recalled 5,000 electric SUVs for battery fires due to short circuits. It's probably nothing, though. It's anomalies and one-off things. And it's not all cars, so you can stop saying that. May 11th, 2021, Newsweek.com headline, Electric Bike Explodes in Crowded Elevator Burning Everyone Inside. Oh, oh, it seems like so much fun. This is fine. This is all fine here. Southwest China, an electric bike caught fire in a residential elevator, injuring five people, which included a five-month-old baby. The surveillance footage showed a 55-year-old grandmother holding the baby, two others on the elevator, when the bike owner rolled the bike in and the doors closed. And then they looked at the bike as thick black smoke started to roll out of the battery area, and then it exploded and turned into a huge ball of flames. Oh, man. July 14th, 2021, Reuters.com headline, U.S. urges 50,000 Chevy Bolt owners to park outside because of fire risks. Not just outside, also, quote, away from homes and other structures after charging because of fire risks. Wait a minute. After charging. A after charging. So literally just sitting there doing, doing nothing. And GM agreed with the U.S. regulators that very same day and said that it would be best if owners 
didn't leave the car alone charging overnight, you know, because you just don't know if that battery's gonna just light up and you might want to be awake to, you know, sniff for those burning smells, which is the toxic gases, remember, and at least attempt to save your life and the life of those around you. This was about a half a year after the 69,000 volts globally were recalled for battery problems after there were five fires and two minor injuries reported. I don't worry though, they were gonna, gonna fix this one with a software patch. Not knowing for sure, just speculating here, but I guarantee their patch was to slow down the allowed charge rate and probably shut off the charging prior to the battery topping to 100%, you know, just in case. So don't park it inside and don't leave it alone while charging and don't charge it overnight and don't charge it at all and don't ever leave it alone and maybe just sink it into the ocean. And even then, I'm not sure that we're safe here. This kind of seems less convenient and, uh, I don't know, more stupid than owning a real car rather than a battery-powered toy. I mean, is this just me here? No? Yes? July 19th, 2021, Newsweek.com. Headline, electric bike explodes, leaving father and daughter in critical condition. Wait, didn't we just, we just did this? No, we didn't just do this one. This is another one, but it was China again. Uh, as China has video cameras literally everywhere, there is video footage of this as well. The pair were literally just riding down the road and suddenly boom, and they were a ball of fire. Uh, the explosion burned them over 90% of their bodies and the daughter who was burned over about 95%, well, she had to be placed on a vent. So this wasn't charging, this, this was discharging, or as you and I would call it, it was being used for the purpose it was designed. <sighs> September 18th, 2021, Headline, GM tells Bolt owners to park 50 feet away from other cars. Now we're back to the Bolt again, now saying to park at least 50 feet away from everything. So that, you know, when the car starts on fire, as we know it's going to, it just won't destroy everything else. They state that since 2016, only 142,000 bolts had been recalled out of the approximately 142,000 bolts that had been sold for battery fire risk, which works out to roughly 100% of the cars being risks for, you know, horrible, horrible fires. At this time, GM had lost about $1.8 billion, but they expected to squeeze that money out of LG, you know, the battery maker. The GM said that at this time, they know of 10 fires. The NHTSA said they know of 13 fires. In addition to users limiting their use of this death trap, I mean, Planet Savior. Now GM has recommended that the owners only charge to 90% of max capacity. Don't get the rest of that in there. It's bad electrons. Then let the battery, uh, you know, run, but don't let it get below 70 miles of range left. We don't, we don't want to take our chances there either. <sighs> well, the typical range of one of these things is 259 miles, but we're knocking 10% off the top, assuming this is linear, that brings you to 233 miles and don't go below 70 miles left. So the range of this wonderful planet-saving vehicle was just limited down to about 160 miles of actual usable range. Hashtag convenience. And come on, can we just realize how far 50 feet is? You're not parking your car 50 feet away from structures or other vehicles, not unless you live somewhere outside of town on a nice little plot of land. Now let's move to 2022, shall we? Surely, 
lessons have been learned and changes have been made and problems have been solved. Or January 3rd, 2022, Euronews.com headline, massive cargo ship carrying electric cars sinks in the Atlantic Ocean after fire. So after 13 days of burning, this large car shipping barge finally succumbed to the damage and sank to the bottom of the ocean. Now, I remember when this was first announced as a ship on fire, shortly after that being reported as a luxury car hauler, and, uh, and that's where the reporting kind of stagnated. I remember thinking at the time, oh, I bet these were EVs. And then a number of days later, hey, what do you know? It comes out that this was shipping at least some EVs. The ship was evacuated early on, so everyone was safe. The fire, well, they had put that out. That was extinguished. And the smoking wreck was being tugged back toward wherever they were tugging it. I'm not really sure. But then despite the constant cooling of the hull with firefighting barges, it reignited and burned its way to the bottom of the ocean. Quote, Authorities suspect the fire may have broken out due to the lithium batteries used in electric vehicles, but an investigation into the cause of the blaze is still underway. <laughs> uh-huh. Okay. August 5th, 2022, westernjournal.com headline, BMW issues warning, park these EVs outside, don't drive or charge them as they could catch fire. So not just the lowly commoners Bolt or Hyundai or Kia or a Chinese Neo or the early Audis. No, 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 no. Beamers too. Now this is just 83 cars though that may short out and may catch on fire. So not a huge deal. Then less one of them is yours. Now I like how it's not only don't park them in the garage or near flammable structures. Also, don't charge them or drive them. Don't look at them. Don't taunt them. Keep small children and pets away from them. Go to your fallout shelter and await further instructions. I also like that this article was written August 5th. BMW expected to mail out notification letters to the affected owners on September 19th. So these are just $85,000 plus spontaneously combusting paperweights sitting there. Oh, how fun. Now, the Western Journal calls back to an article three days earlier about a Jaguar I-Pace that some dude parked in his garage overnight. He plugged it in like an imbecile while he slept. Somehow he survived that night. But the next day after driving it for 12 miles and then parking it back into his enclosed garage like a moron, not plugging it in, however, well, it started popping and smoking. This guy decided that the smart thing for him to do would be to get in the car and back it out of the garage, you know, as it's smoking and popping. Again, he survived that brainiacery. Then he went back inside to call Jaguar Roadside Assistance to just come and deal with this. At which point he saw the fire erupting from under the car and decided to call 911 and let him know that his Jaguar was, you know, burning to the ground in front of the house. All but the very front of the hood burned to the ground. I mean, almost nothing is left from the front wheels back. Now, two of my favorite quotes from this article, quote, my insurance company sent a forensic specialist, did their investigation, and declared the car a total loss. <laughs> I, I don't know how you put ashes back together. So yeah, total loss. I, I think I'd probably have to agree here. And then my other one, quote, after the fire department poured a special foam fire suppressant for what seemed a long time, the car was still making a humming sound coming from the front of the car. 
<laughs> yeah, just uh, just humming away and burning to the ground. Now, I know that we said in January of 2021 that it was perfectly safe to charge an EV in the garage or the house or let it sleep in the bed next to you, but the question was asked again in October 2022, sort of, HowElectricCarsWork.com headline, Is it safe to charge an electric car in a garage? I mean, clearly, we'd want to have a new, better answer to this question, right? Uh, but no, this website literally lifted big sections of the 2021 article, despite all the warnings over the nearly two years since that article came out, and said, sure, park it in the garage. Uh, but to their credit, they did have some pro tips for us commoners. Apparently, there are a lot of reasons your EV might get hot. And that, to me, sounds bad, but I'm just a, just an idiot. But just leaving it plugged in is one of the most common you fool. So if you're going to be away, quote, for a while, unspecified as to what that may mean, just, um, you know, quote, disconnect the car from the charger and leave it running on battery power. But if you do leave it plugged in for a while, you may want to keep it at least 10 feet away from the wall socket and any other electrical outlets. You know, I'm sure your garage has the room to just have this EV kind of floating out in space with 10 feet all around every side. I'm mean, sorry, at least 10 feet. If you're still worried it might overheat, quote, you can use an air conditioner to cool it down. You can also open your car's windows to let some air in. Quote, I had a very similar situation. My car started getting hot, so I opened the windows and put it in the shade. It was fine after that said one Reddit user. Oh, well, an AC unit and roll them windows down. <laughs> Not today, battery fire. I'm on to you. Remember, this is a website that uh, goes by the name of How Electric Cars Work, which is why we'll end up with this gem of a tip here. Quote, if you're concerned about your electric car's battery life, you can use a portable generator to power it. The generator will charge the battery and keep it topped off, so you can leave the car plugged in and fully charged for as long as you want. Okay, so you can just carry a generator that uses gasoline and a gasoline engine to keep that sucker topped off just, just all the time. Huh. An engine we're talking about on this generator that's not as efficient as a car engine, that's not as emission controlled, that's not as fine-tuned, to just run and run and belch out exhaust and run and keep that battery right at the peak of charge just all the time. <laughs> uh, how electric cars work, huh? That's an interesting choice. And, uh, oh no, oh no, uh, December 8th, 2022, ConsumerReports.org headline, Fire, Fire, Fire! The Perplexing Deadly Electric Bike Problem. With a byline of, quote, Malfunctioning lithium-ion batteries in the increasingly popular form of transportation have been linked to numerous explosions, blazes, and deaths, and little is being done to reduce the danger. Now, this starts with a story from August 2021, when a new family moved into a basement apartment that wasn't supposed to be an apartment, and the next day an explosion and thick black smoke and a fire. A nine-year-old boy did actually die in this fire. The cause... An electric bike was charging when it burst into flames. 
In 2021, in New York City, there were apparently 104 electric bike and scooter fires with four associated deaths. By December 2022, New York City's fire department had a count of 202 fires, 142 injuries, and six deaths. And I believe that this was in 2022 alone, although the article doesn't say. Across the pond in London in 2021, the fire brigade knew of 70 e-bike and scooter fires. In China, early adopters of e-bikes said that from 2013 to 2017, they had 10,000 e-bike fires and more than 200 deaths. Quote, specific data on the brands causing these fires isn't available, but fire experts say they suspect that low-quality batteries from fringe players are often to blame. When the lithium-ion batteries used in the bikes are poorly made, overused, or charged too long, they can cause fires. Quote, it's very violent, very fast, it's hard to extinguish, says Daniel E. Flynn, chief fire marshal at the Bureau of Fire Investigation in New York City's fire department. Quote, in the battery pack, when they do fail, they can shoot these cells as far as 60 feet. So multiple fires can be related to the battery failing, he says. I mean, is the problem the manufacturers of the technology or the application? Again, we've had rechargeables for decades upon decades, but they've been used for relatively small scale items. Even larger devices like UPSs, uninterruptible power supplies, they use tried and true technologies like lead acid for the large applications. And you know what? No fires. Now, I know this is running long again, but really quick. 2023 headlines thus far this year. January 27th, azfamily.com headline, lithium battery explosion in electric bike to blame for house fire in Glendale. February 7th, nbcnews.com headline, lithium ion battery fire in cabin injures seven and prompts flights return to California. Now, this wasn't just a small personal type of plane. This was on a United flight from San Diego to New Jersey. March 3rd, Forbes.com headline, FAA colon, lithium battery incidents on planes now happening more than once per week. Really? Why are we not hearing about this? And April 11th, USAToday.com headline, Two children killed in fire caused by e-bikes lithium-ion battery in New York, officials say. The question I have is, what's going on here? Do you ever get the feeling you've been lied to? I mean, I've got a buttload of lithium-ion battery packs laying around. Power tools, trimmer, blowers, cell phones, laptops, and on and on the list goes. And for devices that use universal standard cords and supplies, I use what I buy off of Amazon. I look for good reviews, hoping for good quality. But although I know there's a chance for one of these devices to pop and start burning, I'm not overly concerned. Maybe I should be, I don't know. But the reality is definitely that the more devices you have, the more chances you take. And the larger the batteries, the larger fire they can produce. Now, I would love to get one of those little e-scooters. I just think it'd be fun to tool around on and play with. And although I've come across what I think to be some pretty good deals... In the past, the answer is uh, is no thanks. I, I don't trust them. I don't want to burn my house down or, or die. Now, what I believe to be the reality of the situation is that the powers that be globally need this battery technology to happen in order to save the planet from the ravages of climate change. But I don't even think that's what they're trying to do. Let's be honest here. They know this is a lie. No matter how rabid they are preaching to us about the horrors of climate change, they know it's a lie. These people, 
they can't be that stupid. I mean, some of them, sure. Yeah. But not that many of them, not all of them. I believe the reality is that the ripping of fossil fuels from our hands, forcing us to an all electric everything is probably the best possible way to cause scarcity and rationing and terrified running to government who created the problems to help us. Sectoring of the population into easily controlled regions, resulting in everyone working in their pods to produce as dictated by the overlords to exist as little servant sectors to the state. And the more they can isolate us, the more they can control us, and the more they can enslave us. Now, I know, that's conspiratorial, but, you know, give me another plausible theory as to why we're being lied to about, um, well, just about everything, right? We're told that left is right, up is down, black is white, wet is dry. And we're told these things by experts, not only exerting authority, but denigrating anyone who dares to question the narrative. Satan wants to destroy humanity. We're made in the image of God. He hates that. The Jews are God's chosen people. He hates them. The Christians are grafted in as chosen through salvation. He hates us. Satan is headed to hell. He's not the master there. He's not the ruler there. He's not the warden. He'll be thrown into the lake of fire like all the other demons and unbelievers. He knows this. And his goal is to take as many people with him as he can. The more he can keep us isolated, the more he can control aspects of life, eh, such as religion, for instance. As Satan doesn't know any more of the future than he's read in the Bible. Satan can't create. Satan can't exert his will without God's permission or allowance. However you want to think of that one. But I guarantee that Satan believes himself to be in control, scheming and plotting how he can usurp the throne and using, deceiving, and destroying easily manipulated and controlled, pride-filled, power-hungry humanity to try to enact a plan is all too easy. Now, from a human standpoint, we're being sold a bill of goods on so many things these days, and maybe it's always been this way, I don't know, but think of the absolute deception that we're being told to believe right now. A proven highly dangerous and deadly injection is a life-saving vaccine. Boys can be girls, and girls can be boys, all through the power of desire. We have unlimited electricity that's totally clean, totally renewable. And don't let the fact that most of our electricity comes from fossil fuels or the brownouts and blackouts when the temps get a little hotter or a little colder than normal and the electric draws a little higher. Don't let any of that stuff make you think otherwise. Life is precious, but only once we can see it with our own eyes. Until that point, we have no idea what it could be. Life is precious except when you want to have a doctor help you and yours for pretty much whatever reason at this point. As sexually molesting kids is okay if it's done in a library by men dressed as ugly women. In fact, having sex with kids is fine. As of a recent UN statement, it's all good. Whatever. Women, of course, aren't a thing. They don't exist. It's all an illusion. Unless, of course, you're a man claiming to be a woman. Now that's a real woman, am I right? Eh? Everything started billions of years ago, even though the science is literally impossible to make work and the evidence is literally non-existent and the possibility of random chance creating the complexity we see is literally zero, but it's definitely not the alternative of a creation by God, despite that narrative actually fitting the evidence perfectly. And the list, of course, is endless. This, I believe 
is demonic deception. And I'd say of the various global power brokers orchestrating this, they're nothing but tools of Satan. This is one reason I put this podcast out there. I want to get you, and it forces me, to think. What are they saying? What do they want us to believe? What happens if I start to put pieces of the puzzle together? Now, we're being told that EV fires, ah, they just don't happen at any greater rate than a regular car fire. Well, with as few EVs as there are, and as many real cars as there are, you'd think we'd see cars lined up on the side of the road, just smoldering to ashes, and day after day, just burned out shells stacked up, like a scene from Chips. But, uh, but we don't see that, do we? I'd also be curious how old and in what condition the cars are that happen to have these car fires that are associated. If we're talking 30-year-old hoopties, well, I mean, things happen. But the EVs are pretty much brand new, right? A couple years old. The batteries, same thing, brand new, a couple years old. In fact, housegrail.com had an article about car fires, and they state that over 75% of fires are in, quote, older cars. So I'd be curious to do a comparison of the same model year of cars, both internal combustion and electric, and then see what the difference is. But here's the bottom line. Whether we're talking about battery fires, abortion, transgender grooming, climate, evolution, we, you and I, must stay informed. We must look for patterns and connect dots. We, we need to understand the trends and then make the best decision we can based on our understanding. The economy, food and drug shortages, election interference, activists, judges and DAs. I mean, the list is endless as to what's going on out there. Now, we don't need to be tinfoil hat wearing conspiracy theorists, but at the same time, we are not called to hide our heads in the sand. But no matter what, we are not to live in fear, or more applicable to me, to live in anger. If there's one thing I struggle with when reading the news, when piecing together these segments, it's frustration, annoyance, anger, and in some case, what feels like outright hatred for individuals that are doing what they're doing. I can easily see why some people go off the deep end, and I fully believe that's desired by these global elitists as well. But despite all that, I also know that we are to live in total reliance on God, knowing that He is quite literally sovereign over all things. His will, His foreordained plan, is actually running right on track, right on time, whether we like it or not. And any suggestion we might have for even the smallest change would ultimately be an infinitely worse plan. That fact is what keeps me from spiraling into a dark world of pure hatred. I know that God's literally got this, and with that knowledge, we can more fully understand the chaos in this world, and we can be a voice of calm and reason, of peace and hope in the midst of chaos. I can't count the number of times I've heard someone say, Dan, we know you like to party, and... Heck, yes, I do. Not just because it's a communist party. That shouldn't matter, right? <laughs> Welcome back to our look at the 45 communist goals for America as read into the congressional record by a Democrat in 1963. This is part 13, looking at these goals that to this point, the commies have been 69% successful in implementing, at least by my unofficial count. In this segment, looking ahead a bit, I think we'll be able to cover some real ground with a fair amount of speed. So, in keeping with the 
mood of the sweet communist party, let's punch a hole in the sucker, pop the top, and shotgun a few of these killer goal skis. <laughs> Woo! Uh, let's start with goal number 35. Now, I want to start with that one because we ended with goal 34 the last time, so you know, it kind of makes sense. Goal number 35. Discredit and eventually dismantle the FBI. Well, okay. So the FBI was created in 1908, originally called the Bureau of Investigation. The mission is to protect the American people and uphold the Constitution of the United States. That's what they say. They're a part of the Department of Justice and the U.S. intelligence community, 35,000 members strong, with a variety of focus areas, but overall they're tasked with focusing on national security. The FBI, well, hold on, let me check my watch here. Uh, yes, as of now, it still exists. So already uh, they've at least partially failed this, this goal, right? That's at least half a point for the good guys. And if there are any lefties listening, America, those are, those are who I mean by the good guys. Just, just wanted to be clear there. Anyway, what about the FBI being discredited? Well, okay. What we have is a highly secretive, well-funded, glorified police force with what at least appears to be a great deal of autonomy. And although their focus is the United States, they have offices in various countries, which, yeah, I mean, I can see that. National security these days has to start internationally, at least to some degree. So anytime you're dealing with humans, a lot of humans, with advanced technology, with a lot of money, with very little accountability, you're going to have agents go rogue or missions go awry and politically embarrassing blunders. At least in my opinion, humble or otherwise, those can be considered normal. What can't be considered normal is the appearance that the rate of FBI scandals seems to be quickening. According to lists.grabian.com, there are 103 scandals, controversies, and acts of corruption in the FBI. Now, I don't know if this is since inception. I mean, the name changed to the FBI in 1935. The earliest item on this list is from 1964. I have a hard time believing that they went 30 years with absolutely no issues whatsoever. Regardless, this list, if we look at it by decade, has two issues in the 60s, two in the 70s, zero in the 80s, three in the 90s, seven in the 2000s, 41 in the 2010s, and so far, 48 in the 2020s, and that's only into March of 2023. So if we were to extrapolate that rate out, by the end of the 2020s, we would have 137 scandals. You see what I mean about that quickening pace? Now, I'm not going to read any of these. The link is in the notes if you're curious. But I think we can all agree that based on this, based on what we've seen in the news, generally the non-government-run news, this isn't shocking to hear. However, it's shocking and, frankly, terrifying to think about. For a body that's supposed to protect the American people, whose motto is fidelity, bravery, integrity, isn't that clever, F, B, and I, they sure do seem to try and get away with an awful lot against the American people. So knowing this, let's take a look at the polls, shall we? According to Pew Research, from June of 2022, the public trust in government in general is in a freefall. 
back in the early to mid 60s, 75% of the population said they trusted the government to almost always or most of the time do what's right. From about 1965 to 1980, so this is through the Johnson, Nixon, Ford, and Carter eras, it plunged to about 25%. That's that's amazing. In 15 years, 50% of the population lost faith in the government. Now, through the Reagan years, it climbed again, peaking at about 45%, then broke over through the first Bush and the first year or so of Clinton, dropping to just below 20%. Clinton, of course, being the adulterous, lying to Congress, purely political calculating snake that he was, actually brought trust back up to about 45% again, believe it or not. And then the second Bush had a sharp peak up to 55% right after 9-11 and then cratered down to 23% by the end of his second term. Obama, probably the greatest president that's ever walked the face of the planet. And have you seen Michelle's arms? I mean, oh, works of art there. Shockingly, he did nothing to improve public trust, actually bottoming out at about 15% before ending his time in office at 19-ish percent. Now, this is where Trump took over, that horrible, horrible man, and after staying stagnant through the first couple of years, he peaked at 24% before declining a few points due to COVID. Biden took what Trump gave him and appears to be dragging public trust down, down, down down. But that's just the government in general. Let's look specifically at the FBI. Now, I couldn't find polls that dated that far back or even close to that far back at all. But according to Statista, from April 2019 to September 2021, the Democrats held steady at 66% trusting of the FBI. Independents dropped from 48 to 41%. Republicans dropped from 46 to 26%, culminating in an overall drop in public trust of 13 points from 57 to 44%. Now, although these are represented as straight lines, I, I kind of have a feeling, eh, I can almost guarantee that Republicans and independents trust probably fell off a cliff right around January 6th of 2021. I'd also guess that uh, Democrats probably dropped until then and then shot back up right around this point. Uh, so at this point, if you can't admit that the FBI was dirty, I mean, just filthy, like, like pig pen from the peanuts filthy, that kind of filthy on January 6th, uh, then you're either delusional, a liar, or possibly living in a cave. According to lawenforcementtoday.com, a Rasmussen very informal type of survey via Twitter, which in reality does have some validity to a certain degree, was taken asking, quote, is the FBI acting as Joe Biden's personal Gestapo? Now, this was asked on January 4th, 2022. 64% of Republicans agreed with that statement. 46% of independents and I'd say most shockingly, 30% of Democrats agreed. And this is the general trend that we're still seeing. The trust and faith in the FBI by the general population is waning. It's, it's tanking, actually. So as I've stated before, I don't think the commies care how these goals get done or really when they get done, just that they get done. So is the FBI discredited? Well, I might be biased as a conservative, but I think that the Democrat approval and the independents especially speak volumes that, uh, yeah, I mean, they kind of are. They're still in power. They're still doing things. 
But more and more of the population are looking at them as Biden's brown shirts, as untrustworthy, as corrupt, as political. So I've got to give a half a point on this one to the bad guys. If, if there are any FBI agents listening, by bad guys, I mean the communists. You may be slightly confused on that statement. Moving quickly to goal number 36, quote, infiltrate and gain control of more unions. Okay, look, I don't know that any of the union leaders are openly professing to be communists, but uh, we've covered this before. The unions are literally communist inventions. The entire premise of a union is socialist by nature. Everyone gets paid the same. I know, depending on levels, but you get paid the same. You must join. You must pay your dues. They overwhelmingly support hard left liberal causes. They use intimidation, violence, and blackmail to accomplish their goals. I mean, they are literally little communist communes. Well, I say little, but the National Education Association, SEIU, Teamsters, UAW, United Steelworkers, American Federation of Teachers, these are all run by nasty, evil little communist dictators. Now, I wouldn't say that for all intents and purposes, the communists have infiltrated and taken control of all unions, but I wouldn't not say that either. Yeah, full point on this one. And that's all I've got to say about goal number 36. Look, if you can prove me wrong, I welcome you to challenge my assertion. Goal number 37, infiltrate and gain control of big business. This one is not as simple as goal 36. And I'm going to give my assessment right here up front. I don't think I can give a point or even a half a point to the Reds on this one. I mean, how could I know? But there are a few things that would make me think that something is wrong, though. The, the main idea is that there's always been something about big corporations, or at least more recently about big corporations, where they seem to do things and support politicians and programs that appear to act counter to their business model, to their productivity and profit. The Dems hate big business, yet big business always contributes multiple times more cash money to the left than they do the right. Think about it here. Affirmative action, and now even more fun, diversity, equity, and inclusion. I generally have no problem with a company hiring whoever. Doesn't matter to me. I've worked with various ethnicities, religions, orientations, at least two of the two possible genders. I really don't care who you are as long as you're the right one for the job. A company that's thinking correctly says, well, I'll just throw this here blindfold on. We'll disguise your voice. Let's see if you're the best of the best. But, uh, but no, not anymore. Companies have capitulated and have to check boxes. Even if the person they're hiring is a moron, <laughs> at least they, them's the right color and height and has the correct illusions. This is not how to run a company. Look at things like oil companies. They've been pumping a ton of money into alternative energy sources, sources that aren't what they do because of the myth of climate change. Ford just recently said they're losing billions of dollars trying to make this boondoggle of an electric vehicle thing work. Spoiler alert, it's not going to work. It won't work anytime in the foreseeable future. <laughs> and even more so, it was never meant to work. Uh, but it, at least it'll destroy the major car manufacturers and civilization as we know it, though. And these companies, the CEOs, the boards of directors, the shareholders... They can do what they want, but if, if their goal is to be profitable and, and just make widgets, maybe focus on that rather than everything else. So I'm not saying that communists would do everything that's being done today. I, I don't think that they would probably take most of the direction that we've taken in our companies. 
But the overall goal of communism is for no private businesses, no private property. If Ford goes absolutely bankrupt trying to make stupid EVs, well, maybe they're just too big to fail. So maybe the government has to step in and just take over. You know, whatever it takes to bring a massive company to its knees and beg for help, beg for someone to step in and just do it, well, that's the communist ideal. And I know, I, I know, we have unions with demands and regulators with demands and politicians with demands, activists inside and outside of the company, you'll never guess, with demands. But what if these CEOs banded together and just said, uh, no, uh, you have to make 50% EVs by 2030. <clears throat> no, you can't drill for oil there. Oh, oh, watch me. You have to hire this many of this demographic. Oh, no, I'll, I'll hire the best of the best. Thank you, though. See, if these companies stood as one, there wouldn't be a thing our government could do about it at all. But they all fold. They all capitulate. They all do just what they're told. And the question is, why? So I guarantee that we have communists sitting on the boards, that we have communists holding shares, that we have communists as CEOs, and we know that the unions are all communists. So have they infiltrated big business? Oh, most definitely they have. Have they gained control of big business? Undoubtedly they have, but I can't prove it. So I can't give the commies a point on this one, although I, I really probably should. And one more, just for fun. Goal number 38, transfer some of the powers of arrest from the police to social agencies. Treat all behavioral problems as psychiatric disorders, which no one but psychiatrists can understand or treat. I mean, this one could be taken from like today, like right now. So starting with moving authority from police to social agencies, let me introduce the defund the police movement. This especially started popping up after George Floyd's death, which, wow, do I have my opinion on that one as well. It's definitely not the popular opinion, but right here is not the time. But the calls from, guess who, the far left, to do... What? Well, in an interview on PBS.org with Philip V. McHarris of Yale Sociology and African American Studies Departments, well, he said, quote, that in practice, the framework seeks to divest funds from policing departments and reinvest them in other community resources and institutions such as education and health care. McHarris said the concept is also about exploring alternatives to emergency response that don't center around policing. <laughs> oh, transfer some of the powers of arrest from the police to social agencies, one might say. Hmm? He further went on to say, quote, a reimagined policing model might draw on a small class of public servants to respond to imminent violence rapidly with a focus on de-escalation and mitigation of harm. Oh, uh-huh. Uh, this movement got a lot of airtime. The hard left from local activists all the way to President Biden called for defunding the police departments at various times. Of course, they later said they didn't. They said that the Republicans actually did that. And uh, that's what we in the business call a bald-faced lie. Yeah, see, they were caught with their hand in the cookie jar. And, well, you got to blame somebody. So this interview was in June of 2020. By March of 2021, according to The Guardian, more than 20 major cities across the U.S. had reduced the police budget, either just slashing it or redirecting it to other social agencies. 
By November of 2021, found on CNN.com headline, even Democrats are now admitting to fund the police was a massive mistake. City after city has refunded the police now and rehired individuals to work on the policing force yet again, or at least they've tried to. What these leftists have actually finally figured out, and we're talking about the mouth-breathing citizens here, not the, the leadership, is that the police actually aren't as racist as they thought. Although, they'll never actually say that out loud. And that they actually, now believe this or not, aid in stopping crime. It turns out when you remove police, criminals are, uh, are happier. Now, who could have possibly predicted that? Communist jackwagons, however, like those found on the squad, they'll never admit that this movement was a failure and, in fact, would like to see all police gone. Now, I'm not sure they have enough brain power combined to even think about what that might look like, but the reality is when you remove policing, you also uh, allow crime to run rampant. You bring business owners and citizens to their knees, begging government to make it stop, and uh, abracadabra communism. So, yeah, this has failed, at least for now, so I can't give them a half a point for this one. Yet. As for the second half of their dream, treating all behavioral problems as psychiatric disorders that only the professionals can understand or treat. Well, not going to go deep in this one, but uh, yes, absolutely, this is the case. From the school counselor on up, the Diagnostic Statistical Manual, or DSM, is the gold standard, the Bible for the psychiatric religion, if you will. Parents are being told that they're not the best people to raise their kids. <laughs> Psychiatrists and counselors are telling the parents to just affirm their child's momentary, very confused desires. Trust them. They're professionals. You're just a stupid parent, and you don't want to see your kid die, right? There are no longer addictions. They're diseases now, even though they're not. I know it wasn't a psychiatric disorder, but look at what Tony Fauci said in an interview. He is the science. You and I are just, uh, well, we're just too stupid to understand data and medical terminology and biology and science. Just do what the expert tells you. What's interesting is that psychiatry is in the business of picking and choosing what's a disorder and what isn't, apparently. Alcoholism is a disease. Drug use can be, but it should probably be legalized. Homosexuality is normal. Transgenderism was a mental disorder up until a few years ago. Now it's beautiful and natural. Pedophilia doesn't exist, just minor attracted persons. And on it goes. For the sake of time, I'll, I'll let you search this one out on your own, but I think it's abundantly clear that a psychiatric disorder is whatever the experts want it to be. And don't you dare question them, or you're a hateful bigot. Uh, there's no way I can't give them at least a half a point right there for goal number 38. And that's, uh, that's where we'll end uh, this segment. Seems like the communists were about 55 to 60 years ahead of their time, according to this small grouping. But does it matter? No, not really. One thing that those on the left are is uh, patient. Very patient. I mean, for them, 60 years is nothing in the grand scheme of things. What really frightens me with this list overall is that I'm not sure if those on the left in the U.S. today are reading from a common communist playbook or if they've got these goals memorized or hanging on their wall, you know, so they can enact them. Or are the leftists today just coming up with this stuff on their own? I think the latter of the two options is really the more scary. If they're reading from a common source, at least we know that we have communists in the system and, and they sure would like us to be communist. 
But if they're coming up with this stuff on their own and they're arriving at the same point as the communists, that's really frightening. But we can't be frightened uh, right now. That's that's maybe for another day. So we covered four goals. By my count, I've given the communists two total points. So that brings our grand total to 25 and a half out of 38 goals, or just over 67% success. So truth be told, even though we're apparently using this list as our wish list for the country, as of goal number 38, we're actually catching up a bit. Only seven more goals to go in our look at the 45 communist goals for America until we find out how communist we are. Can you just feel the excitement in the air? Eh, yeah, no, me neither. Hey, bye for now. Well, we've reached the end of another episode of the Logical Christian Podcast. Don't forget to like, subscribe, comment, review, share, and all that podcasty stuff. Contact information can be found in the show notes if you'd like to reach out to me. Lawrence J. Peter said, Against logic, there is no armor like ignorance. Jesus told us that if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. So stay in the word, stay logical, stay faithful, and until next time, God bless. Thank you.